0: We've heard a lot of Scripture this morning, several different passages all the way back from Genesis and all the way ending up in Romans, and those were chosen for a particular reason, and I hope that you have been able to put some of the pieces together, um, where God created creation as good, and then Adam and Eve, our first parents, rebelled against God, and then God, in a pursuit to set things right, sent His Son Jesus to not only die to be, be raised again. We've also seen with our eyes a picture of what God has called us to do and to be in the act of baptism in obedience to Jesus' commands, that these things are all meant to come together and teach us that God is on a pursuit to save His people. Oftentimes when we run away from Him, oftentimes when we doubt, and it's in those very moments that the Lord says, I will run after you and I will wrap you up. In my arms. But the question I want us to ask this morning, and I think all of these things, from the things that we've seen, the things that we've heard, is really the fundamental question of why did Jesus die? Was it just because the Romans didn't like him? Was it just because he was a rabble rouser of a politician? Was it was it any number of reasons? But if you ever ask the question, why in the world would Jesus die? And then why is it so much that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead? I mean, we looked at a few weeks ago that Lazarus was raised from the dead and that we too will be raised with him. And so what is the point? And so this sermon is a little different than what I typically preach where I'm walking through a passage of scripture. What I want to do this morning is I want to tie all these threads together and I want us to consider that question. Why did Jesus die and why was he raised again? Why does it matter? In one of the uh, baptismal interviews this week, uh, one of the candidates' eyes, uh, eyes just kind of flared wide open as we considered that, you know, in the garden, a lot of times, we, you know, in our culture, it's typical to say, well, God is such a, you know, fuddy-duddy. He just he gets upset with Adam and Eve because they eat a piece of fruit? Come on. That's ridiculous. And see, the problem is not that Adam and Eve ate a piece of fruit. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that they doubted God's goodness in giving them com- the command in the first place. Not only did they doubt God's goodness and who He is, His character, but they chose to live life on their own terms. They said, yeah, God did say that, but I'm going I'm to do this anyway. Because it doesn't make sense to me. And so therefore, I'm going to eat the fruit, even though God said not to. Because I don't think He's that good. That's the problem that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They rebelled against His command. They decided to be their own determiners rather than God telling them how they ought to live their life. See, we heard throughout our time together in these different passages that God is pursuing His people and that He also provides. Did you hear what Abraham said to his son? He said, God Himself will provide the Lamb for the sacrifice. And then, we like Jonah, the prophet who had run away from God, we too have found ourselves in pits of despair and and we cry out to the Lord. Whether we ended up in the belly of a fish because of our rebellion or just because we've had a pretty rough life, we know that we can hear Jonah saying, I cried out to the Lord and He heard me and He pulled me up from the depths. The Lord is pursuing His people even in their rebellion. And then we hear this invitation from Isaiah 55. He says, you know, I know all of your issues, Israel. Don't get, let this get lost on you. He's saying this to Israel who had rebelled against Him who were in Babylonian exile because of their sin. And He invites them. He says, come everyone to Me who's thirsty and I will give you water. I will quench your thirst, but you have to come to Me. He promises life in Ezekiel 37. He says, yes, even though they are dry bones, the Lord can put them together. The Lord can put your life together. The Lord, in fact, will raise us up with Him. That all of these things are God's promises throughout Scripture. It's not all these little things that are disconnected, but they're all connected because God is on a pursuit to save rebellious people. See, my eyes weren't always open this I didn't really care much about all the things that we've seen before I grew up going to the church and maybe you too have gone to the church most of your life but my eyes weren't open to these things when I was 16 17 18 years old I remember going to church and twiddling my thumbs maybe as you're doing in your own mind I would literally twiddle my thumbs and I'd tap my feet and I'd say mom when are we going this is so boring and maybe you're finding yourself saying that too and that's okay there's room for that I oftentimes say that even now. I couldn't wait to get out of the church service so that I could really get on with my life. So I could really go about doing the things I really wanted to do, which was play video games or go to the brunch down, down the street or just to talk to my friends. Those are the things I really wanted to do. So sitting in a room, listening to some guy pontificate about this book was pretty boring. Not something I enjoy doing. Maybe you find yourself also saying, "Eh, I don't really want to be here. That's okay, you're here, and I'm so thankful that you are here. And it's okay that if you're thinking these things, Matt, just wrap it up, we've been here. That's okay. Because God Himself loves you. And I want to tell you that. Not only does He love you, but He gave His Son for you. Whether you are a Christian or have not submitted your life to Jesus, He is on pursuit of you in the midst of your mess and in the midst of your greatest joys too. The Lord wants you, though, to wake up. To wake up to the reality of a real life. I see so many Christians who, who are got their heads down and feel like they are just defeated and like life is boring, their spiritual lives are dry, and maybe that's you this morning as well. You're like, I don't really even think I believe this stuff anymore. That's okay too. Because in those doubts and in those problems is where the Lord will meet us. That's the beauty of the Gospel. That's the beauty of this book is that it's not trying to say, hey, if you get your stuff together, then God's going to meet you. He says, no, in the belly of the fish, the Lord will meet you. When your bones are dry, when you are thirsty, the Lord will meet you. See, I spent most of my young years trying to accumulate friends. I don't know if y'all ever did this or not, but in middle school and high school, I kept this mental tally of how many friends I had. I was like, "Man, I'm doing really well. I've got like 30 friends. I can go to school and everybody likes me." But then there'd be those days when I didn't have very many friends. And I think that I was kind of a loser. I'd try my best at soccer, I'd try my best at tennis, I tried my best at what was called academic team. I don't know if, y'all ever have the, if, those, if you all ever have those in South Carolina, but in, in uh, Kentucky we would have academic team, which is kind of like Jeopardy, except for nerds. And I tried to be the best at it. I tried to be a perfectionist. I tried to get straight A's all the time because I find that I mattered when I succeeded at things. I was trying so hard to prove that I was worth something whether people liked me or not. And if they liked me, then I was valuable. And if they didn't, then I wondered if they cared. I wanted to know that the space that I took up mattered in the world. I prided myself on being pretty open-minded as well because the more open-minded you are, the more friends you can get, right? You see the connection here? And so a friend of mine named James invited me to go on a retreat with him. And I said, sure, I'll go with you, James. I'll go, maybe I can meet some girls. That was the whole point of me going was to go meet some girls as opposed to like, yes, I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Like, I, that wasn't even on my radar because I was using all of these things. I was doing a calculus, as it were. If I do this, will this person like me? And if this person likes me, then, then I'm valuable. And I'm wondering if as I'm saying these things, you might put your own life underneath that same umbrella, wondering if people really accept you and love you and like you for who you are. So I said yes, and I went. But that was the first time in my life that someone said, Matt, no matter how hard you try, you cannot be perfect. You cannot put your life together. Yes, you got straight A's. Yes, you're a pretty popular guy. Yes, you've got your stuff together. But that was the first time that no matter how many friends I had, no matter how many song lyrics of the latest songs that I could quote, because that was the cool thing back then. I think it's still pretty cool now. Like if you can, you know the latest song, like, oh, you haven't heard this song yet? Oh, I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm on the end. I know that song, right? We do all of this, all these machinations, don't we? If we're honest, we're doing all of these things to try to say, hey, I matter. I'm pretty cool. You want to hang out with me? Right? All these were me trying to reach out to matter, to be valuable, to be worth something. I was looking to answer the question that Jesus asked. He said, whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Did you hear that from John chapter 20? The Lord says to you this morning, what are you running after? What are you seeking after? Because no matter how hard I tried, I could not stuff enough stuff in my heart to matter. The fun and excitement that I was chasing after flittered away. I felt like the main character in the movie The Matrix, Neo, and uh, I know it's kind of an old movie, but it was cool back in my day, But there was in that movie, the main character, Neo, says this. He says, have you ever had that feeling like you are not sure if you're awake or still sleeping? And maybe you've oftentimes felt that way. And then he meets this person named Trinity. I don't think that's a happenstance name. but And she tells him, she says, Neo, I know why you hardly sleep. I know why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. And maybe even in our 2023 context, I know why you're thumbing through social media. I know why you're addicted to your screen. I understand why you're doing those things because, she says, you're looking for Him. I know because I was once looking for the same thing. And when He found me, He told me I was looking for an answer. The answer is out there. It's looking for you, and it will find you if you want it to. See the longing for joy in my life, the longing in the, the pursuit of meaning in my life, was always and ever meant to point me to God. He created this world so that it might know Him and pay homage to him and love him, and in loving him, find that their joy is made full in him. He's not doing it because he needs you to do something for him. He's not like the gods of the other nations. He Himself is complete in and of Himself, but He wants to invite you and sweep you up into this great story where He can fill you with joy. And So the invitation to you this morning is not to get yourself together. God has been looking for you to open your heart to Him. He offers Himself to you if you want Him to. Perhaps you've grown up in church or maybe this is your first time in church in a long time and we welcome both sides of that issue. But I will tell you what I told one of our baptismal candidates that what we just witnessed in baptism is not an arrival. This is not like, yes, I did it. No, baptism is a first step in obedience. Notice that we said buried with Christ in death. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. Raised to walk in the newness life. And then they walk out. Of the coffin. They say, I am going to live for Jesus anymore. Jesus now. I'm not living for myself. It symbolizes that death and waking up from a dream. My friend, God wants you, He wants you to wake up to the reality that all the fun, all the excitement of this world passes away and it perishes and it pales in comparison to knowing Jesus. And I ask the question, we have so many people who have given their lives to Jesus and they've laid it down, they've, they've, they've gone to the far reaches of the world to go tell people about Jesus. There, have been, there are brothers and sisters who are suffering for their faith even now. And have you ever asked the question, why are people willing to die for Jesus? It's because they have tasted the sweetness of knowing a person. The sweetness of following Jesus, not a list of rules. Because He is worth whatever the cost. The story in the garden, though, is not just about two people back in time. It's our story. It's your story and my story. When we hear God and we choose to do what we want to do, that's the same thing that they did. We doubt God's goodness. Lord, I I know You're calling me to walk down this path of self-denial, but this is so much better. I know that you say you're good, but it doesn't seem that way. So I think I'm going to do this, if that's okay. We have to slow down long enough to see that we too have rebelled against God. It's not something out there and for that person sitting next to you in the pew, but it's for you to own for yourself that I too am a part of this cosmic rebellion against its creator. And until we acknowledge that and see that we have run after pleasure after pleasure, that we too have gotten angry with God and angry with His ways, until we surrender to Him and His ways, we'll never be satisfied. And you will never be satisfied until you submit your life. Surrender to Him. Stop taking up arms against Him and His ways. Our tendency is to try to save ourselves through living a right life. Some folks Go the religion route. They say, hey, if I can just get my stuff together and if I can just do all of the things, if I can check all the boxes, then God and me are good. That's not what he's calling you to do. That's not what we've heard throughout Scripture this morning. What God calls us to do is not just, hey, here you go. I know that you're trying to earn friends. Here's a great way to do that. Here's a list of 20 things that you'll never meet. Or We try to find meaning in those friends and in entertainment. We try really hard to get people to like us and accept us if we're honest. And we find that the law will never get you what you want. Television shows end, much to the chagrin of many of us. Trophies rust. People betray, and they will fail you. If you run hard and fast down your own path, the Lord invites you to turn and to step and walk towards Him. To take a look at your life and to say, let me be honest. Do I have the life that I really was hoping for? Is it producing the joy and the fulfillment that you're looking for? There's another popular, this is a more recent example of a young lady named Taylor Swift. You may have heard of her. She has a song by the name of Antihero. And this is what she says. She goes, I wake up screaming from dreaming. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. I'm not singing it. It's me. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. That is the point of change when you and I can look in the mirror and say, no, 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 I'm the problem. It's me. It really is me. I keep messing it up. I keep rebelling against God. I keep turning... My back on people. Instead of turning the other cheek, I'm the one who refuses to take up my cross and follow Jesus because I think that this way is better. Once we get honest with ourselves, then the Lord can work. The Lord can do a beautiful work in your life and in my life when we say, it's me. I'm the problem. It's time to stare in the mirror. It's time to acknowledge not just your problems out there, but to see yourself as part of the rebellion against God. And once you acknowledge that, you can see that He welcomes you because of Jesus' death. You don't have to clean yourself up. I heard a guy named Tony Evans one time. He says, Jesus can't clean the fish until He gets them in the boat. (laughs) Like You're not going to clean yourself up and then make yourself worthy. The Lord says, if you admit that you're thirsty, I will quench your thirst. If you will admit that you're hungry and you can't feed yourself, I will give you manna from heaven. Romans 6, the last passage that we heard, says we were buried, not just so that we die and so that we can be self-denial. No, we deny self. We take up our cross in order that we too might walk in the newness of life, of real life, true life. And so my friend, I'm not inviting you to keep a bunch of rules. I'm not inviting you to keep a list of do's and don'ts or to doing away with fun. Or to have all the answers. Or to have no doubts. What Scripture is calling you to this morning is to a real, live person. And a real, living faith. A real life. For the reason that you were created. And you can have that this morning if you will see your need, if you'll look in the mirror, repent of your sin yet again. This is not a one time and done. This is an everyday thing where we turn from our ways and we are reborn every day because of Jesus' work. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a gift and a privilege to hear from You this morning and to be reminded that You are not calling us...